All right, thanks, Pete. Yeah, thanks, man. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. Well, it's good uh, to be back. Um, man, it feels kind of weird, but it's really fun. Uh, you know, Jesse and me have been on um, quite the adventure the last couple months, and it includes living with my parents for three months. <laughs> it's a little weird, you know? <laughs> like I, was, I, I wasn't ready for it at first, but God has just been um, uh, really, really moving. Um, during worship, you know, Reuben came up to me, and he handed me this little note. He says, man, God is with you, and he wants to remind you of his presence with you. And that's kind of been the promise we've been holding on to uh, this season. Uh, a lot of times in prayer, uh, we've just been hearing God say, I'm with you. That's my promise to you in this season, is I'm with you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, me and Jesse in July, we moved. Uh, we felt like God was really clearly telling us we needed to move to Minnesota. Um, and we didn't, have, we didn't know what was next. We didn't really know what was in store for us um, in this season. Um, but within three days of being back, we both had jobs. Um, just crazy. Uh, God is faithful. Um, it was really awesome. And uh, we, we started out um, just kind of really, <laughs> we're like, oh, great, here we are. Like, I, I admittedly, I was kind of reluctantly moving. I didn't want to go. I wanted to stay. Um, but it was so clear. And so we get there. We get to Minnesota. We have jobs. And just started praying, God, what are, you, what are you up to in the season? What do you want us to do? Um, Jesse got a job um, at Hop- Hopkins Public Schools as a junior high teacher. Um, and she's working with, so she's working with 7th, 8th, and ninth graders. And what's crazy is um, she didn't really, she didn't know this, but a, a friend of ours from um, a church back in Minnesota was actually working at this school. And so she gets her schedule and she's co-teaching with this friend of ours from a couple years ago. And this girl had already started um, a, a prayer group among the teachers. And so Jesse is just right away, off the, off, right off the bat, she's like, man, this is where I'm supposed to be. God's called me here for a reason. And um, God's been doing really cool things there. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's right outside Minneapolis, so it's kind of a hardened school. A lot of the students there have really troubled homes. Um, and uh, so Jesse's really, really seen her heart's been broken for the students. Um, me, I, I started working with a ministry called Shine in the World, um, and I'm, I'm working as an evangelist with them. Um, part of what we're focusing on right now is that there's over a million first and second generation immigrants in Minneapolis, and 90% of them don't know Jesus. And so we're, we're working right now with how do we equip churches to make disciples of all nations, because that's what Jesus has called us to do, right? We're, we're supposed to make disciples. And so um, that's what I've been working on. Um, in a couple weeks, we'll be moving out of my parents' house. Um, back in March, God started speaking to me about Aquila and Priscilla. I don't know if you guys, th- those names might ring a bell, but, but Paul, when he was writing to uh, the Corinthians, or maybe it's the Romans, I don't know. Uh, he was writing about, man, send my greetings to Aquila and Priscilla and the church that meets in their house. And he just really started talking to me about house church and what it looks like to bring people into your house and to worship and to pray together. And so we actually just got a house in New Hope, Minnesota, and it's on Aquila Ave. So I took that as an affirmation. I said, okay, God, this is the one. And so in a couple of weeks, we'll be moving into that, and it's, it's really exciting. Um, but aside from that, um, man, we're just so blessed to be here this morning. Um, it's been really hard. Uh, moving, you know, you have this church family here in Holland, and, and they're, they're really our family. 
and, and you move and you go to a place that's familiar to you, but you haven't been there in a while and you don't know why you're going back. You're just kind of going because God told you to go. It's been hard. Um, a lot, God's been doing cool things in the process, but man, it has been, there's been days I just sat with God and been like, why are we here? What do you want to do? It just feels dry and bleak, um, but he's faithful. And as we step out um, in, in obedience, man, he blesses that and, and he, we get to see that. So, Anyway, I'll move into my message, um, but Matt, Matt asked me if I would touch on prayer, if I'd just kind of kick off the prayer series, and that, that just got me stirred. Um, I think prayer is one of those things that we kind of tend to think about, and we're like, man, prayer's so boring. Has anyone else ever had that? We're like, man, prayer's just kind of boring, and sometimes we just reduce it to like giving God a laundry list of problems we got going on in our life, or we just pray before a meal because it's a good thing to do, or I, I just say my bedtime prayer, and I go to bed, but prayer is so much more than that, and I don't know if you guys relate to what I'm talking about, but I just sometimes struggle with prayer. You know, I start to pray, and then my mind starts to wander off, or I get, I get hungry, you know, or I have to go to the bathroom. It's like, God is so looking for people who pray. Man, when you look at the church history, when you see Jesus, he was always spending time with the Father. He spent time in prayer because that was his place of connecting with God, and it was from that place he did everything else. It's the same with Paul. Or you look at like modern-day heroes of the faith like John Wesley. Man, he used to wake up at 4 a.m. every morning. He got to be like 83 years old, and he goes, it's a little bit harder to wake up at 4, but I still do it. Crazy. He wakes up just to spend time with God. And um, man, that gets me stirred. It gets me so stirred. Um, in the 1700s, um, there's this, this people group that are called the Moravians. I don't know if you guys have heard the story, but they were refugee people. They were forced out of their country, chased out of their country, persecuted. And, and they ended up on the doorstep of, get this, this guy's name was Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf. That's a weird name. Like, I don't know how you look at a baby. You just go, we'll name him Ludwig. You know, it's weird. Anyway, they end up at this guy's house. And, and he takes them in. And it's a group of like 300 people at the time. And what happened is like 12 to 14 of these people, they came together. They said, look, let's just make an agreement, man, that we're going to commit ourselves to meeting regular, regularly and pouring our hearts out to God together. So there's 14 people, 12 to 14 people meeting together regularly and pouring out their hearts to God. And I don't think they expected what was going to come next, but God poured his spirit out on this people. And it was like a Pentecost type experience where the whole community just got the spirit of prayer. And all of a sudden, a hundred years of nonstop, 24-7, around the clock prayer took place in this people group. They're living on this guy, Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf's property, and they prayed around the clock for 100 years. Crazy. And what happened is, in, in, in this people group that had 300 people in this community, in less than 40 years, they sent out 300 missionaries to 10 different countries. They sent families out on min- missions together. They sent whole families. This people group found their purpose through prayer. See, God empowered that people through their prayer. It was when they positioned themselves before God that God said, I can use you because you seek me out in prayer. See, God is looking for a people who pray. Even Billy Graham, if you look at what he said towards the end of his life, he said, man, I, I preached all over the world. I did all these different crusades. I saw so many people come to the Lord. But if I could go back in time, I'd preach less and pray more. 
goes, if I could just spend my time with God in the secret place more, I'd go back and I'd change it all. Billy Graham. See, God is looking for people who actually understand what the heart of prayer is. See, prayer is not just saying words. Sometimes that's how we define prayer. It's just talking. No, prayer is a position that we take before God. Prayer is me coming before God and saying, God, just here's everything going on. I need you to intervene. See, in this book, The Circle Maker, it's actually cool because uh, God really used this book in 2014 to just wreck me. Seriously, Jesse, me and Jesse were just friends at the time, and she, she gave me the book, and she said, you have to read this. I started reading it, and it is, I, re, I, I just really believe that God uses this book to awaken prayer warriors and, and to equip prayer warriors, and it, it really changed the way I viewed my walk with God. And, and what's cool is in the first chapter of this book, you read about this, this Jewish sage in the intertestamental period, so in between the Old Testament and New Testament, there's this guy, his name is Honey. It's a weird name, too. It's like Ludwig. And, and, and there was a drought in, in Israel. And Honey goes, okay, I'm going I'm to do this, God. He, he walks out into the public square. He, he draws this big circle. And in front of everybody, he gets down on his knees. And he says, God of the universe, I'm not going to move until you pour rain on this land. And it started to rain a little bit. Drop here, drop there. He said, God, this isn't what I asked for. Starts to downpour. Say, well, God, this isn't what I asked for either. I want rain that brings life. Please let it come. And God met his request right then and there. And the whole there's crowds forming around Honey. They're watching him say, God, I'm not moving until you send rain on this land. The circle maker. He drew a circle. He pinpointed something he wanted to see change in prayer. And he said, God, I'm not going to move until you change that right now. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning is prayer. And what does it mean to actually be someone who is a circle maker, who, who contends in prayer for things to change and transform? But first I want to pray. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we thank you, God, that you are here right now. God, you're present. And we thank you for your presence, God. We pray, God, that you would speak through me, God, that it wouldn't be my words, but it would be you speaking through me. God, I just pray that you silence everything um, that's not of you. God, that you'd be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a spot in the book of James um, where, where James talks about the prayer of faith. And as I was praying through, man, what do I want to talk about? Um, God kind of highlighted this first. And so this is James 5. If you have your, your Bibles, you can go to James 5. Let me see if I can change the slide. Mitch, it's not changing. Can you guys do it from up there? Awesome. Thank you. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. Look, I I want you to think about this. When should we pray? Who should pray? In all seasons of life, James is saying you should pray. Are you happy? Well, you should sing praises to God. See, he's saying prayer is this, positioning yourself before God so that you can hear him, that you can talk to him, and you can receive from him. And so he's saying, man, is stuff going bad? Position yourself before God and give him everything that's going wrong. Man, is stuff going good? Well, then position yourself before God and tell him thanks. In every single season, we should be people who are before God saying, thank you, God. Or, God, man, I need you to intervene here. Come in and break in and bring your kingdom. He's saying every single season of everyone's life, we should be before God. 
walking with God. That's really what prayer is. It's not a, 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 you know, a list of things I'm giving God. It's a way of living my life. See, prayer isn't just me being like, God, thank you for this food, amen. But prayer is actually me walking with God, talking with him and listening to him and watching him change things in front of me. And get this, he says, you know, such a prayer offered in faith. It could be argued that if you're not praying, you just don't have faith. See, because sometimes there's situations in life that can only be changed through prayer. See, we're, we're, we're kind of stubborn. We think that no matter, we think that, man, if I plan stuff out really well, if I, if I really, really think about it good, then, man, I can see the situation change. And God's like, are you kidding me? Pray. You can't do it on your own. Pray. Even this morning, I was sitting at Starbucks, and I was like, oh, boy, I didn't really prepare for this message at all. <laughs> I did. I was like, God, I don't know what I'm going to tell you. He goes, Peter, I'm looking for people who pray. I don't anoint uh, systems and machines. I anoint people. And the people I want to use are the people who are found in prayer. The people who are before me each and every day just talking to me and knowing me and loving me. See, sometimes we won't, we're so stubborn. If I could just do this better, man, that will change. No, if you just walked with God and you talked with him about it, he'll change it for you. Man, I, I just think that the heart of what God's going after, you know, the miracle in that story about Honey who drew the circle, it wasn't that God sent rain. That's not the, 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 the lesson to be learned. Although we think it sometimes is because he got the answer to his prayer. I think the real lesson we learned is that Honey was a man who was willing to stand in the gap between God and people and intercede and cry out, doesn't care if he thinks, people think he's a fool. And what we see is that God blesses people who take big steps of faith and rely on him alone. See, he did something that a, a lot of people wouldn't do. He relied only on God. He put himself literally in a position where it was like, if, if God doesn't come through, he looks like a fool and everyone laughs at him. And God sees that and he goes, that's the kind of faith that I'm looking for. How many times in the gospel do we see people run up to Jesus and he goes, your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. He's looking for the people with this bold, radical faith who say, God, I'm not going to rely on myself. I'm not going to rely on my own strength. I'm not going to rely on anything else. I'm just relying on you because you're the one who's in control. You're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. And if I don't have you, I don't have anything. James keeps going. He says this. Can you go to the next slide, please? Thanks. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. And get this right here. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, Who's a righteous person? It's not the spiritual elites, right? It's not the Billy Grahams and the big pastors and, and the missionary, all these people. It's, it's anyone who's covered in the blood of Jesus has now become the righteousness of God. So every single person in this room who's placed their faith in Jesus and now is pursuing the kingdom of God above all else is now seen as righteous in the eyes of God. That's the gospel. That we, we, weren't, willing, we weren't deserving of it. We didn't... Nothing we could do could earn this, but God now sees us as his righteousness, not because of anything we've done, but because of Jesus. And now what James is saying, he's saying, the righteous person who prays earnestly, man, is powerful. We have a lot of righteous people in this room right now, but are we praying earnestly? James tells us that that's our greatest weapon. 
over everything else, over strategy, over planning, over trying to be a really good person. Doesn't matter. Praying is our greatest weapon. And then he keeps going. He says, Elijah was just a man, just a human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Elijah was just a human as we are. Elijah was weak. Elijah didn't have all this power and all this. Sometimes we read about the people in the Bible. Sometimes we read about Paul. We're like, oh man, he was a superhuman. No, he wasn't. He was a man just as we are. And when he prayed, no rain fell on the land for three years. What's he saying? He's saying, man, it doesn't matter if you feel weak. God isn't. It doesn't matter if you feel like the situation's unchangeable. God's in control. It doesn't matter if you feel like you've lost. Guess what? Jesus already won. And so get before him and pray. Elijah did it, and look what happened. The parallel he's trying to, to draw right here between that example of Elijah and telling us that anyone who's covered in the blood of Jesus can pray powerful prayers, the parallel he's trying to show us is that we can actually see impossible things happen. This isn't a fairy tale. Elijah's a real person. He lived in a real land with real people and real conflict going on. And God answered an impossible prayer. Guess what? When the people around Elijah saw what God was doing through him, it stirred their hearts. And in the same way, God is looking for us today, 2018, in Holland, Michigan, to to be people like Elijah. Who are circle makers who, who highlight something in prayer and say, God, I'm not going to move until you change that. And think about it. As, as we talk about this this morning, think about it. What are the areas in your life where you just want God to break in? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your coworker's life. Maybe it's your children. I don't know. But think about those areas that you're like, God, I just need to see you move. God, I want to see your kingdom break in. God, I want to see you come in power. And now, don't just stop and and know what it is, but now draw a circle and say, God, I'm not leaving here until you move. That's the kind of people that God's looking for. He says, man, I I haven't just covered you in the blood of Jesus and made you right with me to sit still and not do anything with it. But now I've actually empowered you with my spirit so that you can see these things change. Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray, he said, Father, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So now we've been empowered by the Spirit of God to bring the realities of heaven to this earth. And it's not just a feel-good story. This this is the reality of our new lives in Jesus. Right? Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, you've been made a new creation. And it's not just to live the life that you're used to living, but now it's to bring the kingdom of God. My question for you is, are there things in your life that you just are dying to see God break in? I have them. You know, it was like four years ago, I was praying for a family member. And I'm just like, I was, I was wrenched. My heart was just like, oh, God, I want to see you move. And God spoke to me, and he said, Peter, I enjoy the process. Sometimes we just want God to move on the spot. Johnny, like right here, right now, God, move. And he's like, Peter, you don't get it. I'm looking for the people who continually press in and press in and press in and press in. And maybe they don't see fruit. Maybe they don't see me move right away, but they keep pressing because they're full of faith. Sometimes that's how God positions us, just to keep pressing in. 
But this is, the Jesus, this is what Jesus said to his disciples, if we could go to the next slide. He says this, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen, but you must really believe it. And have no doubt in your heart, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. Last time I drank up here, I choked, and I didn't think I was going to make it off the stage. (laughs) Jesus says, he says, have faith in God. If you say to this mountain, be moved and thrown into the sea, it'll happen, but don't doubt. What's his encouragement to the disciples? He's saying, man, that's impossible. If I'm sitting at the, mount, the base of this mountain and looking at you and saying, you could throw that mountain into the sea, you're like, okay, crazy, right? But that's literally what Jesus said, and what he was trying to say is that, man, you can see the impossible happen, but you got to believe. And sometimes we're placed in these positions where we just don't really believe. We haven't been seeing the fruit from our prayers. Man, God, I've been praying for years for this to change, and I haven't seen it change. And he's saying, look, a second to you is like 100 years to me, 100 years to me. Like it just, he's above time. And he's just looking for people who are willing to press in and stand in the gap and believe for something to change. Can you go uh, two more slides? One more. get this. This is Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. He says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show, get that, to show that they should always pray and they should never give up. This is the purpose for the story. He wants them to realize that, man, there's no situation that we should ever give up on in prayer. He says, he showed, he told them this story to show them that they should always pray and never get up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Next slide, please. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Can you go to the next slide, please? Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think that God will surely give you justice? Who cry out to him, you who cry out to him day and night, will he keep putting them off? No, I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Look, Jesus tells this weird story about this woman who's coming for this judge who doesn't care about anyone but himself. But, but her constant persistence in, in, in asking for him to do something for her, man, it wore him out and he finally gave in, right? And he's saying, man, if a judge does that, an earthly, wicked, evil judge responds to the persistent widow, how much more will your loving, heavenly father respond to your persistence in faith? He's saying, don't stop coming before me. See, I just really believe that in God's heart, he's pleased when he has a people that choose him again and again and again. That's why he spoke to me and he said, Peter, I enjoy the process. Because he loves seeing his people come to him even when they don't see the results. They keep coming. They're like honey. They draw the circle. They say, God, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to move until you break in. That's the kind of faith he's looking for. 
People who believe that he'll move in, in wild ways. Not because he's crazy, but because he actually wants to see his kingdom break out in lives. He said, I tell you, he'll grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth with faith? My question for us today is, do we have the faith of Elijah? Do I really believe when I come before God that he sees me the way he, he sees Jesus? Because that's what the Bible says. It says that when we're covered in Jesus' blood, now God sees us as his son. And so does, do we really believe that when we're coming before him in prayer, do we really believe that, God, you want to hear me? I'm not a burden to you. You want to see these things change just as I do. God, then break in. Do we believe that and do we hold on to that truth? And do we press into it? Because that's what he's looking for. The people who cry out to him day and night, at all times of the day, at all hours, no matter what, we're bringing our hearts before God. We're saying, God, would you move, please? I'm excited that, that Victory Point is pressing into what it means to be a circle maker, what it means to be someone who prays like this, because we need to be a praying church or we'll be a dying church. Seriously. Nothing we can do it will have any power or will carry any truth or will move any mountains if we don't find our purpose in prayer. God is looking, looking. I'm, I'm reminded of the verse in the Old Testament where it says, the eyes of the Lord, they range to and fro, looking for those whose hearts are fully committed to him so that he can strengthen them. Man, I, I promise you that God is looking. God cares, and he's just looking for us to hold on, to believe, and to never give up in prayer. That's what he's looking. Like in 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17. He says, be joyful and never stop praying. Man, if that could be our life verses for the rest of our life, be joyful, never stop praying. Believe that God is on the move. When we speak, heaven listens. When we speak, God moves. That's just the truth. We might not see it. In our earthly eyes, we might not see it right here, right now, but I promise you that when we circle these things and we say, God, move, he responds. He responds. And it's just the truth of who he is. It's in his nature. It's in his character. It might not look how we think it's going to look, but he listens and he responds. You know, it, it was, again, four years ago, I was reading this book. And um, I got stirred um, for, for our high school. Remember me and Jesse went to school. There's about 4,000 kids at this high school. And um, there was just like this spirit of suicide. Seriously, like there was like, I think in two years, there's eight kids who took their own life. And it was just, I mean, it was bad. And um, yeah, our hearts were just broken for them. And so a group of us got together and we just decided, man, all night tonight, we're just going to pray. We're going to pray for the school. So we went to the school, and we just started walking circles around the school. I mean, this is the school that I was arrested in. This was the school that I had done so much evil, and God was, you know, three years later stirring me up um, to pray for it. And so we're walking around this place, and we're, we're, we're telling darkness to leave. We're saying, God, break in with your kingdom. We're literally walking circles around this place. We're drawing this circle around our school. And we're saying, God, break in, move. Move, God, we need to see you move because we don't want anyone else taking their lives again. Like, this is just ridiculous. And, um, you know, me and Jesse were talking about that last night. And what happened that year is a, a group of kids actually just, like, got on fire for God. And all of a sudden, there was just kind of this movement in the school where all these young kids were just hungry for Jesus. And, and today, 
I know in, in a lot of public schools, um, there's church plants or whatever, but I mean, this church is so closed off to Jesus. Like at, at one point in time, I was a volunteer for Young Life in that area. They would never let us come into the school. They wouldn't let us talk to students or anything like that, man. They were closed off. Well, like today, there's every single Sunday morning, there's worship in their auditorium. <laughs> come on. And, and the Bible says that God in, is enthroned among the praises of his people. And so every time praise is lifted up, this, this, the, the, Jesus is lifted up, and he draws people to himself. And so we drew circles around the school. Kids get on fire and hungry for Jesus. Three, four years later, there's a church plant in the school, and Jesus is being exalted and lifted up in this place every Sunday. Uh, we might not see these instantaneous results, man. We might not see the, the results that we think, they might not play out the way we think they will. But God listens to his people. <laughs> Another weird story. I was, I was uh, a junior in college, and I was, I was doing like a three-day no-food fast. And I was really, 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 really just trying to connect with God. And uh, <laughs> I was in the shower, and I hear this crash in the bathroom. And I'm like, what in the world? And what happened is my mom had these little decorations up, and she'd pin little verses to this, these boards and, uh, on on the wall and I walk out of the shower and go to the ground there's this verse on the ground 2nd Chronicles 714 it said if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves would turn from their evilness and seek my face I would hear them and I would revive their land and God put it on my heart he said Peter you need to turn from everything else and just focus on me it's when you do that that I hear you and I answer your prayer, and I revive your land. Like, ah, oh, man, that's so cool. You know, I went into my room. I was, like, worshiping and praying. Next day, still fasting. I go in my shower, crash. What? So I go out, same verse. I'm like, I swear I pinned this thing up so good that it would never fall again. Pick it up. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and seek my face, I would hear their prayers, and I would heal their land. Next day, same thing. God spoke to me in that moment. He's saying, Peter, there's something so powerful when my people just choose me above everything else. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all else will be added unto you. When they just seek me, they turn from everything else, and they seek me, those are the people that I listen to. Circle makers. I'm going to invite the band up. God is looking. He's asking. He's saying, now what, what areas of your life are you wrestling with right now? What is it? Seriously, I mean, think about it right now as the band's walking up, we're about to worship. Ask God, God, what are these areas of my life that I'm just desperately longing for you to break in? And listen as he highlights them to you because he will. And then be like Elijah with the prayer of faith. He says, man, I'm not going to move, God, until you break in and you answer this prayer, I'm not going to move. That's what we're going after. And this life of faith, man, it's, it's like a sand grain on an eternal timeline. Man, we only have such a short period of time. But when I stand before Jesus, when it's all said and done, man, I want him to look at me with eyes. He looked at me and go, Pete, well, job, my good and faithful servant. Because I was someone who, who didn't just give up when I didn't see the answer to my prayer. Who didn't just like, man, when times are hard, you know, I just turn to myself. You know, God's looking for the people who will rely solely on him. And when they turn from everything else and they fix their eyes on him, man, he hears their prayer and he responds.
I'm going to pray. God, every single person in this room right now, um, you've created, God, with a purpose and a destiny. God, there's, there's a reason each of us still has breath in our lungs at this very moment. It's to know you and to walk with you. God, guarantee